0: Hey Flow Fanatics, on this episode I talk with fear and anxiety expert and flow and high performance facilitator Kristen Ulmer about how controlling your emotions and fear is a myth. But what you can do instead that will also allow you to access flow by choice. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Smith, and welcome to the High Flow Lifestyle Podcast. It's my privilege to be your peak performance and flow coach with this episode. Each week, you'll hear mind-blowing interviews, as well as actionable tips and strategies for accessing flow for optimal human performance, heightening creativity, intuition, and productivity, and most importantly, living a healthier and happier life. Now let's dive into your next dose of practical flow training. Kristen Ulmer is a thought leader on fear and anxiety who draws from her tenure as the most fearless woman, extreme skier in the world for 12 years, from intently studying Zen for 16 years, and from facilitating thousands of clients on flow and peak performance. The author of The Art of Fear, Why Conquering Fear Won't Work and What to Do Instead, Kristen radically challenges existing norms about what to do about fear. Welcome to the show Kristen. Glad to be here Josh. Well tell me a little bit about yourself here. What's your superpower?
1: My superpower is radically challenging existing norms like Mm -hmm. having the guts to put it out there and keep it out there until it changes uh,
0: industries. Wow wow that's pretty profound. Just briefly What are some of the things you did to be called the most fearless woman, extreme skier in the world for 12 years?
1: (laughs) Well, um, I was known for big cliff jumps. Wow. And... Skiing Euphalia Dye Descents, I did the first female ski descent of the Grand Teton, which is unarguably the most dangerous ski descent in the uh, United States, except for in Alaska. I'm sure we Mm -hmm. could find worse things in Alaska. And I have probably skied those too. Um, And yeah, I was considered the best woman big mountain extreme skier in the world for 12 years. And to be at the top of anything in the world for that long is, you know, really something, but, mm-hmm. you know, I was taking life or death risks sometimes on a daily basis. Wow! Uh, and I was dealing with a tremendous amount of fear. And I learned very clearly what to do about fear, what not to do about fear. And I was also a pretty good rock and ice climber, paraglider pilot, flying trapeze artist, kiteboarder, boarder, et cetera. Um, Wow. I I one time rode my bike alone across India in the 90s. (laughs) My bicycle. And And so that, (laughs) yeah, that earned me the vote as the most fearless woman athlete in North America, beating women in all sports disciplines, not just skiing. Wow.
0: That is, yeah, that is an extreme lifestyle. You have a lot of experience with fear. And I guess along the way, what are some of the things that you've learned about fear?
1: Well, to be clear... I am very aware of the fact that this podcast is about flow Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so I've been a mindset sports coach for the last 17 years and I teach accessing flow states by choice rather than by chance. Mm -hmm. And one of the key elements to getting into a flow state is becoming intimate with whatever, um, you're doing with your life, you know, like running or, um, dancing, singing, um, That's the external component of that, but also having an intimacy with your internal world while you're doing that activity. Mm -hmm. And probably one of the key things that take people into a flow state is if they have intimacy with their fear. And extreme sports are notorious for taking people into that flow state. Right. You know, into the zone or sports in general, but mm-hmm. especially extreme sports because the athletes are dealing with a tremendous amount of fear. And I think the belief is that these athletes are fearless, mm-hmm. and that's absolutely not the case. What the secret sauce is is that they're having an intimate experience with their fear, and then as a result, they get into a flow state. Um, as Stephen Kotler likes to say, say if you're afraid, then flow states come for free. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, okay, but if you're afraid, that seems like something that's very uncontrollable, like it's beyond you and it's putting you uh, in in a in not a state of control, which I would think as an extreme sports person you 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 need to be somewhat in control, even though you're constantly in unpredictable situations
1: Well, control is a funny thing. <laughs> There was a study done actually that it was with, uh, about PTSD, that the more a person believes that they're in control of their lives, the higher incidence of PTSD there is. Mm. So people that struggle with PTSD think that they can control 70% of their lives. The study concluded, um, when really... Uh, the scientists believe that you can control maybe about 3% of your life. And I actually think that you can control (laughs) 0.00003% of your life. Um, And so to suggest that we have control over fear in any way, shape, or form Mm. is going to set us up for having emotional issues in our lives. Uh. So... What's not happening out there in the mountains or, you know, during a flow state is we are not controlling our fear. Um, What, back to my word, what we're experiencing is we're having an intimate experience with our fear, which is very, very different. And Dogen Zenji is a very famous Zen master that lived about 800 years ago. And he's famous for a lot of things, but uh, I want to quote him. He's famous mostly for this. Enlightenment is intimacy with all things. Now, we don't use the word enlightenment anymore because it's obsolete, like it's kind of a stupid word. We use the word flow, but it's exactly the same thing. So, flow is intimacy with all things. And so, again, what's happening out there is we're having an intimate experience with our fear. And as a result, we get into a flow state. If we're trying to control our fear to get into a flow state, all of our energy and resources are going to be spent trying to control something that we can't ultimately control.
0: Mm. During your, your time when you were competing, um, were you aware of this intimacy or is this something that it, it happens with all extreme sports people? Like it's it's just there and they don't realize it or did you realize it and then you were able to better come to terms with it?
1: That's an amazing question. Thank you for asking that somebody took my book and made a movie about my life called Voices of Fear. And I had the great honor and privilege during the time that we were putting together that movie to travel around North America and interview 26 different professional extreme sports athletes, like big, big names, people who have devoted their lives to doing scary stuff like Alex Hunold, who free soloed El Capitan, Laird Hamilton, arguably the best big wave surfer in the world. And, The thing is, out of those 26 athletes that I interviewed, and these are people who are the poster children for what to do about fear and how to get into flow states and all of that, out of those, 23 of them had absolutely no clue whatsoever what their relationship was with fear or how to get into a flow state. (laughs) And if you had asked me, if you had interviewed me during my ski career, um, what my relationship was with fear or how to get into a flow state, I also would have not been able to answer. The, the questions, um, mm. about it. So, but I don't believe that you learn from experience. You learn from reflecting on the experience. And I've had 20 plus years since I retired as an athlete. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, 17 years since I retired, but I've been reflecting on it for about 20 years now, wow. studying an Eastern approach to Zen and, and flow states and all of that. And I now know what the secret sauce was back then. Mm -hmm. And I shared this with these 26 athletes and the 23 that had no clue, even Alex Hunnell, like he had no clue what his relationship was with fear. (laughs) And I shared some of the things that I'm sharing with you during this podcast. And he's like, the light bulbs went off. Right. Um, and, and of the three out of the 26 that did know what, The secret was they all had come to the same conclusions that I'm sharing with you now is that um, what it takes to be in a flow state is intimacy with
0: all things. Back to that Dogen Zenji quote, Mm.
1: including and especially fear.
0: I just wanted to take a second to mention to you that. If you're finding the show interesting and inspiring, please make sure to head over to the website HighFlowLifestyle.com, where you can get free access to my weekly flow hacks for optimal human performance and happiness. Get High Flow Lifestyle Boosts weekly in your inbox and get new strategies on how to access flow, be more creative and productive, reach your peak performance, and most of all, live a happier and healthy life. Now back to the show. Yeah, it, it seems like it's, it's a little easier to get into flow when you're doing things like throwing yourself off a mountain on skis and, you know, the, the fall or die kind of situation. But now that you're retired, how are you getting or keeping flow in your life now?
1: Well, what... Well- What is interesting is that if you're doing something scary, you kind of have to be, we used to call it the zone. Mm -hmm. You have to be in the zone or you're going to die. You know, like you, it's like, it's mandatory. You know, you have to be so immersed in the experience that externally and internally that, um, you know, you get into that altered state so that you just become pure reaction um, without thought. You know, that's (laughs) the key. And so what I do now, and I mentioned before that I can work with people to help them get into a flow state by choice rather than by chance. It really comes down to just making a conscious shift to be in an altered state. Um, which you can make, I have this teaching tool that I use. It's a, a facilitation tool, a voice dialogue, where I'll ask to speak to different aspects of our personalities. In Zen, we say that we have 10,000 different states of consciousness. And I'll ask to speak to maybe the voice of the infinite or the the part of us that are that is no mind. And really a flow state can be simplified. It's just the place where you transcend your mind, like you leave your mind behind. You know, when your mind drops off, you that's that's what's left. And mm-hmm. um, there are four different types of intelligence. There's mental intelligence. And then there's the other three, right? (laughs) So mental intelligence, and it's ironic that we spend so much time and effort and energy looking into the neuroscience of flow states, because that's Mm -hmm. mental intelligence. Like Mm -hmm. the more we try to understand it, the more we try to figure it out, the further and further away from a flow state we actually become, because anything that's going to keep you in your mind, right, (laughs) is definitely not going to be a flow state. And then the other three forms of intelligence are emotional intelligence, physical intelligence, and spiritual intelligence. Okay. And emotional, physical, and spiritual intelligence are basically, um, in many ways, all the same thing. Hmm. Like, you transcend your mind and you get into your body, right? There's physical intelligence. Mm-hmm. You do this by being willing to feel whatever it is that you're feeling. You know, that's emotional intelligence. And it's kind of being in your body is the bridge that you cross to, to kind of get into that altered state. You know, And when I say spiritual intelligence, I mean just anytime you have an experience of something bigger than your own limited personal view of the world you know we we tend to think of spirituality as somehow in religious context but um it's just having being in your kind of bigger self Mm -hmm. you know and i find that being in your body is the bridge that you typically cross to get there and like um You look at the ladies in church just jumping up and throwing their hands in the air and screaming hallelujah, like they have Mm -hmm. a physical experience. We do things like um, do cold walks, like Wim Hof. You know, it takes you into your body, it gives you a spiritual experience. Um, Sweat lodges, Mm -hmm. you know, that takes us into our bodies. And if we're willing to become intimate with the cold, or in the sweat lodge, we're willing to become intimate with the heat. And with fear, if we're willing to become intimate with the fear that takes us into that spiritual place. And, and of course, emotions are in your body. It takes you into your body. And that's how they all kind of become connected. Mm-hmm. So back to your question, how do I get into these states now that I'm not risking my life mm-hmm. on a daily basis? Well, it's just a matter of shifting out of my mind and into my body, feeling whatever I'm feeling Then being intimate with it, it takes me into a spiritual place, which is called a you know another name for a flow state.
0: Mm -hmm. So you don't necessarily need that external live or die activity. No,
1: and the day that I realized that is the day that I quit doing sketchy things in the mountains.
0: (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah,
1: like there's absolutely no need for me to risk my life in order Mm -hmm. to go there. And you know the thing is, we tend to credit um, the sport or the activity, Mm -hmm. like the, the running or the gardening or whatever it is, um, or even the lover for taking us there. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the activity is, is the, just the thing kind of the catalyst that remains unchanged that just helps us access it. Okay. And, and that's why when we like end a relationship with man who just like, makes you feel so great we we are like feel super lost by losing that person but really what we've lost is that experience of intimacy with that we've created or experienced in our own bodies that Mm -hmm. and it really has nothing to do with the lover Mm -hmm. you know and it really has nothing to do with the sport and so I don't miss skiing at all and I tend to think I tend to I used to think that I loved skiing but really I just love the places that it took me
0: Okay. The experience.
1: Without the skiing, I can go there um, just with a simple shift. And so I don't need the skiing anymore. I still love to ski, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't rely on it to get into a flow state.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of research done that, you know, it says that, you know, what we're actually attracted to is the flow state, not necessarily the activity that got us there.
1: Absolutely. But then we think, oh no, I I can't run. I have, you know, my knees are starting to bug me and you Mm -hmm. you feel like, oh no, I'm never going to be able to have that experience again. But this experience can be found in a million different ways. It can be found just sitting on a cushion.
0: Mm -hmm. What is something now that helps you get into the flow state? I know we've talked a lot about intimacy. Is there... do you require like a morning routine or certain exercises?
1: Well, it's a matter of, well, let me tell you a story. When when Zeus made humans, <laughs> you know, he, he kind of screwed up. He made them really, really smart. And he's like, oh my gosh, us gods, we're going to be out of a job, right? So, but the thing is that the Zeus and the gods were just really, really good at kind of having this bigger picture, spiritual, transcendence, flowy, whatever, whatever we want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, humans are really good with their big brains and their scientists, you know, knowledge and all that. And so the, the, Zeus was like, okay, well, I need to put this in there somewhere. I got to put it in their experience. And he's like, well, if I hide it in outer space, they're so smart, they'll go find it there. I could hide it in the oceans. They're so smart, they'll go find it there. You know, so where am I going to hide it? Well, I'll hide it inside them, in their bodies, right? They'll never think to look mm-hmm. for it there. Um, and again, we still are looking for it through skiing or the lover or the gardening or the running or whatever it is. So we never think to actually go inside and look for it within us, even though these, these activities that we do is the thing that kind of helps us actualize it. So what I do, I, I don't necessarily need a morning routine, but you know, we're here to be human and we're here to be in our heads all the time and we're here to, you know, have our egos and all of that. And so we have to actually make a conscious choice to go find it. Mm. And it's very, very rare. I mean, you'd think that, okay, I know how to facilitate this in other people. I can facilitate this in myself in like 10 seconds. Like you'd Mm -hmm. think that I'd spend all my time there, you know, but I don't. Right. I have to actually just stop myself in the mm-hmm. middle of the day and like, all right, I'm going to do this because I'm not in the habit of it. It's not like brushing my teeth. I brush my teeth in the morning, at night, like I'm in the habit of it, but mm-hmm. I'm not in the habit of um, accessing this. And right. so f- for, for and, and then people think, oh, I need to go running for 10 miles to get there. Who has right. time for that, right? But um, it's a matter of just, going and finding it and, and making that shift. And, and how I do it is I close my eyes and I just go into my body. It's like a a shift, like a kind of, like if I'm sitting in one chair, I get up and I sit in another chair and I leave whoever I was five seconds ago behind in that Mm -hmm. other other chair. And I just uh, become, uh, get into my body. I usually will find an emotion, whatever it is that I'm feeling, And I will acknowledge it's normal and natural to have this emotion. And then I'll notice if I'm in resistance to it, you know, because if you are in resistance to whatever you're feeling, then you're in your head, you know, trying to rationalize it away or whatever. And instead, I'll just kind of drop the resistance, find that part of my body again that I'm feeling, especially if it's uncomfortable. That's Mm -hmm. great, like cold or hot Like I said, or fear, or um, pain, or um, loneliness, like, and I'll just, I'll just give it a hug. I'll embrace it, and then by doing that, it's kind of like when you hug any person, then you're out of your head. You're having a physical experience. You're having an emotional experience, and it leads to intimacy. And so, next thing you know, I'm having an intimate experience with my body, and whenever you have an intimate experience with another, and you can even do this by having intimacy with your mind, but that's another conversation. It just kind of takes you into this really beautiful altered state where you're just in flow with life itself. Mm. It's like time stands still, right. you know, all those things happen, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you're no longer just, I'm no longer in a loop of just being Kristen, which is right. my mind, I'm in my body. And we're back to i'm having a uh, emotional experience i'm having a physical experience and i'm having mm-hmm. a spiritual experience
0: yeah the way you describe this seems much more intimate to me and something that you can reflect upon and and feel and interconnected with uh, interconnectedness with as opposed to kite surfing or Surfsharp. one of the other extreme sports that you've done it seems like in the in the last exercise you went through, you were very present. You were very aware. And I, and I'm sure, you know, as, as we all know, you know, skateboarding and all of that kind of, there's sort of that, you know, challenge, skill balance, the, the more of the risk factor that plays a part than, you know, centering yourself through your own, own will.
1: Well, take kiteboarding, for example. Um, This is how I go kiteboarding these days. Mm -hmm. I've been kiteboarding for 21 years. So I launch, I get out there and, um, and I'll warm up, you know, my body for a little bit. And then what I'll do is I'll just park my kite above me and I'll put my board in my hands and I'll just bob in the ocean. Mm -hmm for probably 15 minutes. And I, I have to warn the people that I'm kiteboarding with <laughs> that I'm going to do this because otherwise they come by and they're like, are you okay? You right. know, it's like, <laughs> leave me alone. Like you're, bo- you're, you're taking me out of my flow state. Like yeah. I have to warn and I'll just Bob and I'll just be intimate with the ocean because it's not what I just described before is an intimate experience in my own body. Mm-hmm. But I also mentioned that you can have an intimate experience with your external world. Like, can I have intimacy with the ocean? Mm. And with the wind, I love the wind. Yeah. And can I have intimacy just kind of watching the scene around me and like, look at all these people um, being out in the ocean. And, and I mean, at their, it, it's just a really beautiful sport. I mean, it's mm-hmm. so pretty being out there and just watching people do their thing. And then I'll like look at the shoreline and maybe I'll check out somebody's house. And I just, I just love it. It's my favorite part of kiteboarding. At some point I'll after probably about 15 minutes, I'll put my board back on my feet and I'll go about the business of trying to learn a new trick or something. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, the highlight every time is those 15 minutes of just bobbing in the ocean and being intimate with the external world as well. And that's, so that's, and you can do that with a hike too. Like if you start out on a hike, you don't have to be 10 miles into it before you feel it. You can just take your first two steps Take a deep breath. You know, why do breathing exercises work? Well, they take us into our bodies, you mm. know? And this then and just notice, is it completely quiet? Can I be intimate with the silence? Are there birds chirping? Can I be intimate with the birds chirping? Mm. You know, is there some wind and some rustling of the the trees and the leaves? Like can I just be kind of intimately connected with that visual or that sound? And immediately you're there and you've only taken two steps, mm. but it's something that you actually have to go and look for. And, you know, Star Wars, they almost got it right. <laughs> they say, they say, may the force be with you. Okay, right? It suggests that the force is looking for us and it's going to find us and kind of, you know, it's like the river, may the river be with you. And mm. no, you actually have to go find it. Okay. You have to pause mm-hmm. and take a, take a moment to take a deep breath and um, listen and feel and notice and shift into an intimate experience. And this is so if Star Wars had said, may you be with the force, that would be more accurate. Like, may you go find like the river's not going to bend to find you. Right. Mm-hmm. You got to go find the river and you got to you got to jump in. Mm -hmm. and then you got to and it's not just you in the river anymore you become the river Mm -hmm. you know that's what intimacy is it's like there's no separation between me and the river there's no separation between me and the the sounds of the day the birds chirping the the ocean all of that and it's like instead of being an individual droplet of water while i'm bobbing and kiteboarding i become the ocean. Right. Now that's what happens with intimacy, but you have to actually um, pause and take that moment to shift because it's not natural. Right. It's just not natural. There's a reason mm-hmm. why flow states are so elusive because mm-hmm. they're not natural.
0: Altered you know? state. Now.
1: Yeah. We're here to be human. We're here to have a human experience.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And, and this takes us home, but we have to go find it.
0: I want to thank Kristen for being a guest on the show today and we will definitely hear more from her in some upcoming podcast about some of her other contrarian ways of becoming one with your fear and other thoughts on accessing flow. In the meantime, I encourage you to check out her website at kristenulmer.com and pick up a copy of her book, The Art of Fear: Why Conquering Fear Won't Work and What to Do Instead. Thanks for listening to another episode of And if you enjoyed the show, please stop by Apple Podcasts and review and subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode. And help us spread the importance of leading a high flow lifestyle by telling a friend and sharing on social media. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Now go put some of this flow state training to work and live your life to its fullest. And I'll see you shortly on the next episode or inside the community at highflowlifestyle.com.